Good evening. It's League Cup week, and in true Carabao Cup style, we rotated a bit this week. I'm Clear, and I'll be your host for the evening. And joining me tonight is our usual fun three of Butts, Burke, and and Rob. Rob, how are you feeling? Radiant. I love it. Positivity back in you. But we made some tactical tweaks for you this week with a new role. How much easier is it for you to perform when you've got so much experience either side of you? Well, I, I hope so, because I once played a five-side game and couldn't score from one yard out. So maybe I'll play the Bobby Firmino role and just provide for others. So, yeah, nice to have experience next to me. I feel like you've got a, a great deal either side. You've got Fabinho behind and Rob there. And then Burke and just your box to box man. Just does it all. How are you, Burke? Yeah, all good. Dangerous lack of pace in this uh, front three, I fear. Yeah, well, I, 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 I feel like that's making many runs, stretching the defence, that's all. And then leaving so, me and Rob what would, tight between the lines. Doesn't matter what the three is, there's not going to be much pace on any of us, even if I rotate it in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're, we're a passing yeah. team, we're a passing team. Sometimes you just got to play your strengths, and that's what we're going to do today. Now, obviously, we are going to discuss Man United, Liverpool. We'll go through, uh, since we last spoke, we've had the Newcastle takeover, pretty big deal. And we'll also look at the relegation battle, as that has, well, gone very badly for one team. Um, but we'll start with the Man U and Liverpool game, for obvious reasons. Um, we'll park the Man U chat just for a bit, because... I feel like that's going to be the one that we really want to get our teeth into. So, Rob, if I can start with you, um, we'll just talk about Liverpool to start with. I mean, they went to Old Trafford, they've absolutely battered Man United. And it's a strange question, but can you read anything into that win? Or is it just one of those days where everything went right for one team and everything went wrong for the other? Uh, yeah, I agree. I, I, I don't think Liverpool played their best football. I think... They were just clinical at the right times. Uh, Man United were atrocious. Uh, so many issues with different individuals in that team. Um, confession is good for the soul. I woke up at half time. I had to have a mental nap. And I still thought I was dreaming seeing that 4-0 scorecard. I was like, yeah, this doesn't sound right. But um, disaster for Man U. But I... I would. I'm going to take it every 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 day of the week. Uh, I think it eliminates Man U as title contenders. I, I, no, uh, but I do think this Liverpool team has got a lot more to do. Um, even like in the return fixture, like I can still see us maybe drawing or even even losing at Anfield. United, it's it's one of those fixtures, but. Um, Great result, but yeah, I don't think that screams to me that Liverpool are top dogs right now. Burke, do you, um, you know, is it is it a case of you can almost write you can almost downplay it because of a bad man you were? Or um, yeah, and I think I Klopp kind of said something similar, not in those exact words after the game. Didn't he? he said when they were younger, a bit less experienced, they'd maybe get carried away with that. And I don't think it's a result to get carried away with. I think obviously. Enjoy it the way the fans went. I see a smirk, so I'm guessing someone's getting carried away. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I kicked them the start of the season, I was carried away in pre season. <laughs> but no, I thought obviously it's outstanding result. But first half, I thought Liverpool were making a lot of mistakes. 
um, losing ball in dangerous areas, maybe not coming to space as well as they should have. But man, you were making a hell of a lot more mistakes. Um, so Liverpool, I wouldn't say got away with it because they weren't like horrendous errors. But I think if they were playing someone who was a bit more on it, I think we're not going in half-time anywhere near 4 nil in such a strong position. Um, but no, I thought Liverpool played very well. Obviously, they are growing into it from the back end of last season. They started the season quite well with a few, I'd say, you may be saying two or three dis- results where you're walking away a bit disappointed. Obviously, you've got the home draws, Chelsea and Man City, and the Brentford draw. Um, but a couple of performances here and there are going to happen. So, yeah, I think uh, Liverpool have grown into the season, and uh, that's all you can ask for. Right. How good are they? Uh, my my biggest takeaway, obviously, as, as a neutral, um, was just confirmation of Liverpool back to, you know, somewhere where they were probably two years ago, maybe even 18 months. Um, last season was obviously a blip. Um, I think bringing in Yota has really added something. You know, he's not, I know Manu went great, um, but he slots in, plays well. Firmino's going hat-trick last week. Um, yeah, Curtis Jones playing well this season. I think anyone who, who doubted Liverpool, and I'm one of them, probably needs to listen to Leo Sims more. Um, but yeah, that just just confirmation for me that Liverpool are, are back up there, top 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 dogs, along with uh, Chelsea and City. Are they capable of going Hector at all with them? I mean, you look at the other squads, the other two. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's obvious to say that, but if they don't get any major injuries to, to key players, um, then I think they should they should expect to challenge, is is my feeling. Like Burke said, they you know they didn't get too carried away yesterday when maybe teams of old may have. Um I think they do generally see it as three points, move on, get to the next game, three points, move on. Um so yeah. I'd be disappointed or you know, um I wouldn't expect them to to fall off end the season. So no, I I I'll come just back to you for a sec because first question you asked me yesterday was um was I surprised with the lineup? Yeah. Um. So well, do you want to explain you know your thoughts behind that? Yeah, it's, it's just obviously your um without Mark Dip, I think you also said isn't the biggest surprise just because three games in seven days. But obviously, the um, Mane is the big one because we've had this discussion about Firmino before where in these big games, you can you tend to be able to predict the 11 with Klopp. He has his trusted players. And I think maybe yesterday is the first time we've seen him look to maybe change that up. I think Firmino missed the last one against City, but just because he was coming back from an injury, I think that's all that was. Um, but I think this is the first time where that front three of Firmino, Salah, Mane have been available in a big game and he's not gone for that three. Um, and I back him because I don't think Mane's been very good and I think, obviously this leads into the conversation we had yesterday, it may be a slow start to the changing of that guard of the Mane, Salah, Firmino that we know. Yota, you can't fault, I'd say, 90% of his performances in red shirt where it's probably you flip that stat if you're talking about Mane in the last 18 months, where you have got to fault about 90% of his performances. So I think 
it was a fair change, but obviously it's a surprising one because of how loyal Klopp tends to be to those big name players. Were you surprised with the Canuck? They had a goal, Mez. I mean, I've been butting as well, yeah, front of this. I've talked about as well. I mean, you know, centre half. I wasn't, i got to be honest, just because I don't think it takes much for Klopp, since he's been there, to kind of take Gomez out. Because you'd think back, I think Champions League final, Matt Dip was picked ahead of Gomez, again, the one against Spurs. Sorry, Bats. Um, but any time he can, I think, in a big game, he goes Matt Dip over him. And I, I do think, he obviously, he does really like Gomez. But I think he... And, Maybe it's the start of last season where it was Van Dijk and Gomez and they weren't hit in any form, showing any partnership. I think Gomez is outstanding player to have at the squad at the club, but I don't think Klopp rates him as that long-term partner to Van Dijk. So I think he's maybe just changing up, having a look. Obviously, he's seen them every day. And again, that day, can't fault it. He's brilliant. Yeah, just just to jump in, Sims. That I I was surprised seeing Canate, um, just purely off the basis he hasn't played much this season at all, really. Um, what I would say now, looking back, you're going pretty good decision. You know, we always talk about centre backs. He is, he's got every attribute you'd want in a modern centre back. You know, he's physical, he's tall, he's quick. You know, he's he's got everything you want really. Just not that experience, um, at top level. But yeah. The game was pretty easy for him, really. You know, Ronaldo wasn't really doing anything up front. And um, I think Gomez, uh, just to jump back, when he hasn't yeah. played as regular, he kind of shows it like a lot. Mm. With Canate, he's had the odd game here and there. And every time he's played, he's made the odd mistake, but you kind of expect that new league and everything. But I wouldn't say he's looked sluggish or like physically he's looked on it. It's just maybe the decision-making. Yeah. Whereas with Gomez, it's... Sluggishness when he hasn't played for a long time, he hasn't played regular, he looks sluggish, which you can't have when you're facing Ronaldo, Greenwood, Rashford, and these types of players. I think mm. uh, one of the big things as well, that I, and I didn't think of it at the time, it was only when I was driving home yesterday, I was thinking about it. That if you think of what United are strong at, they're quite good to set pieces. Harry Maguire, Scott Tomney, Cristiano Ronaldo in the air is extremely good, it's probably what he's best at these days. So the, the idea then that you go for the bigger. More powerful aerial centre half alongside Van Dyke, all of a sudden makes sense. And yeah. he's the more front foot. Gomez is more a sweeper. You know, go, you can win ahead against Gomez because Gomez is normally back off and then try and win on the, yeah. on the cover. So I think when you when you break it down again, you're height, isn't it? Because if it goes wrong, you think, well, why did you chuck in a 21 year old new to the country when you had a England fully fledged international on the bench? But yeah. I, I can see the reasoning behind it. However, I was surprised with Canate ahead of Gomez. Um, but in no looking back, I can definitely see why 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 he was picked chosen. What about the Manu one? Um, uh, yeah, that caught me. I'll be honest, I didn't because yeah. I as bad. I, I know you're saying he's been quite poor this year, but he's still Sadio Mane and he still has chipped in with a goal. Um, and so I was surprised that they dropped him. And like I told you, I, I was disappointed actually in Mane, the way he was. I didn't mind when he came on and he's a bit selfish when he came on. I don't mind that. You know, you're final up, why not? And you can afford to do it. But like I said to you, the whole walking down a tunnel straight after the game, not applauding the fans, not staying out with your teammates. You know, it, we've seen this before from Sadio Mane. Yeah. Um, and 
I, I, I agree with you. I think this is the beginning, maybe, of a parting of the ways down the road with Sadio Mane and Liverpool. Did it surprise you, Rob? Um, well, c- coming back to the Canati one first, I think it's it's handy because we saw Trent get subbed off uh, later the last game, and having Gomez on the bench then can can helps us have someone to be able to cover at right back. And I think with Klopp going in and starting Milner, he hasn't got that that versatile versatile player then that can cover multiple positions. And you know we don't you know we don't really know if Trent was ready to go full 90 minutes. Did he did brilliantly did the job. Um so I think it was handy to have Gomez there as someone who can cover as that backup centre back, backup right back. Uh if needs be, if if Trent pulls up, or if Klopp felt like he, you know, he couldn't go more than seventy, um, so I was wasn't too surprised that he went that route. Um, with the Mane one, yeah, come yeah, come back to what you said when it comes to like a trusted eleven, you know, it's Salah for me, no Mane, you know, it's countless times we've seen it, and I think going forward we will see it. We'll, we'll we'll see it plenty of times, but I think. Uh, I hope yeah. so for my fantasy football team. <laughs> for your fantasy football team, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, Yota is just. We saw the early early part of last season. I think you know he's at that point where he's like undroppable at times, and he just adds another dimension to the team. And you know, we're nowhere near as good as that. You know the front three were three years ago when it was just they were just electric together, but he. Uh, sorry, go on. No, sorry, no, go on. Sorry, go on. Yeah, just adding adding uh, Yota in just it, it keeps teams guessing. He was brilliant. And, uh, yeah. He reminds me of Son a lot for Spurs. Yeah. In terms of that, he's he's quick and he's got the pace, but he's just a finisher. And, yeah. and I think Son has developed that over time because when he first arrived, he wasn't scoring 20 seasons, was he? But you look at Yachter, whenever he's played, he scores. And he might Plus, not... he's got that selflessness. Like, um, do you know the Salah goal where he hits a near post? Like, if that's Marnie, I'm not putting it past him just having a shot to get blocked because he's defending his way. Yachter mm-hmm. takes extra touch, waits, opens it up for uh, Salah, lays off, and yeah. Salah does what Salah does. I think, you know, look, it was, for Liverpool, it was a brilliant day, wasn't it? But yeah. on the flip side, the other club, the home team, I mean, I'd, where do we even begin with that? I mean, a lot's been said in, in, in the last 48 hours. Um, but my first question to you would be, what does Ole Gunnar Solskjaer do now? Good question. But I wish I was sourced in because then I could have asked it. Um, I don't know. We've had this discussion. I mean, he's tried everything. He's tried, you know, playing Fred and McTominay, which, you know, makes sense in terms of, you know, trying to be solid. But then it falls down because they're both not very good defensively. Um, The players just look lost. You can just tell it wasn't just yesterday. Um, sorry, Sunday. The players just look lost. You can tell they haven't been coached properly. And, and that's been from day one. That has been 
plain to see from day one. Um, so the only way I can see him saving his job is by getting rid of some of his backroom staff. I know that's been talked about um, specifically by Jamie Carragher. But if, if, if as the manager, if you're not coaching, you need someone who knows exactly what they're doing in terms of the style you want. And that clearly isn't happening. So if I was him, that would be my, my first port of call. Do that, be ruthless, and then try and save your job. Because at the moment, he's just going one way and that's out the exit door. Sticking on Soska, I just going back to the way he set up his team Sunday. Um, I, it hit me this morning when I was thinking back about it. Was that the first game, the first big game between clubs, where the return of the fans actively played a major part in how the home team set up? Because we spoke numerous times during lockdowns where there was no fans about how Arsenal fans wouldn't put up with it, how Manu couldn't play like that when they had 80,000. Now, in the past, they've all, they have sat back, they've stayed deep and they've tried a counter. Now, yesterday, he almost thought, it, it almost felt like he just put a team on and went, we'll match Liverpool, goal for goal, and we'll go from there. Because, you know, he's got such an array of talent up top. But clearly, either that's very naive or he's just completely out of his depth, isn't it? But... You know, Bert, yeah. where, you know, was it? Do you think it was the whole? Because you know, he he more than anybody knows that Man United shouldn't really be say at home, be playing on the counter. They should be dominating games, shouldn't they? Yeah, they should. Factor into it, or um, I don't think the fans have. I think maybe it's Solskjaer just going, look, it's home against Liverpool. Let's get up and at them early, first ten. Maybe that's all it was because they had the early chance with Fernandez. If and then there's kind of that half press where some plays want to, some plays don't, and Liverpool score from it. But I think it is just a case of let's show him we're up for this, lads. And then he underestimated how good Liverpool are. And if you do that, Liverpool, there's every chance that they will just pick you apart, which is exactly what happened. And it's kind of like the Newcastle Spurs um, last week where Newcastle just been taken over. Newcastle are coming at you. You know they're coming at you. Spurs just soak it up. But no, what do the Spurs do? They do the same back and concede really early. And because there's that golfing class, Spurs bring it back and win comfortably. But I think that's all it is. He's kind of got it wrong, as he's done countless times when he's been in charge. He's misjudged the whole situation, misjudged the team he's playing against, misjudged his own, own team. I feel for him in a way, because it's like he's not up to the job. It's not his fault he's not good enough. I'm sure he's doing like literally everything he can. But if someone's not good enough for the job... It's not their fault. It's the people who have put them there and keep sticking with them and not taking action. So I just think it's him not being a very good manager, misjudging everything. That's all I think it is. Yeah. When you go on, Brett. No, I was just going to say I, no, I completely agree with Burke, but I, I do think he, in his mind, is going. It's Liverpool. It's at home. We've just spent all this money. You know, we got these big players in. I'm just going to go all out. I'm just going to go all out and see what happens. Because he, he must know. Like He can't be that naive or stupid to know that his defence isn't that great and the midfield, in terms of defending, isn't great. So, logically, you'd go, well, let's just try and outscore them. Um, and then he could just go afterwards and go, oh, look, you know, we tried to go aggressive. We tried to score goals. Didn't happen. We lost 2-0. Fine. Obviously, he didn't expect to lose. 
you know, five nil after fifty minutes, um, which I think is the, the bigger problem and not the obvious tactical flaws in the way they set up. So, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I'm surprised he's still there. I, I really am surprised he's still there. You know, Do you know I, like maybe... when a manager plays a player and the player just isn't good enough for that team. You yeah. don't blame the player for not being good enough. You blame the manager for sticking with that player. And I think yeah. that's the exact same case now. But obviously, you take a step back. It's the board for hiring a manager not good enough, and now sticking with him. New contract in summer. I I just don't understand it. And for me, now that club is more toxic than it was under Van Gaal, Moyes, Mourinho. Like the feel. Do you know the booze at halftime? I've never heard of that bad at Old Trafford. I've never seen mm. fans leave in that many numbers at halftime in any game under those three managers. I think people are saying he's done a good job. He's turned the culture around. No, it's more toxic than ever. But there's a quick fix, and there's literally a new manager. Why they've not gone ahead and just gone, oh, I know, we'll fix this toxicity. We'll get in a winner. Nah, they, it. as a Liverpool fan, I absolutely love it. But as just a general football fan, it is mind-boggling how people are getting paid so much money and then not seeing just the obvious, like 95% of football fans a year ago would have said, all oh, you can install is not good enough for that job. Like, it hasn't yeah. taken this 5-0. This is just added to the list of Solskjaer's horrible results. And at a club like Man U, it's insane. And there's a ready-made manager out there who's out of a job in Antonio Conte. Say we want about the guy, but he's a winner. Now, you yeah. give him that team, I, you know, I don't know if they, I don't know if they'd win this season, but I, I'd be shocked if they didn't. They'd be competitive because they're not yeah. at the moment. And you think back, obviously, Solskjaer was brought in as a caretaker. He didn't yeah. do an outstanding, like he didn't like set the world light. He had the good result against Paris, and then aside from that, he took care of things, which is the role of a caretaker. He took care of it. That was it. Mm-hmm. Summer comes, Poch is available. I think that summer. And they then go, oh, actually, oh, like a few months later, oh, we actually, no, we'll go with uh, Solskjaer. What are you doing? Like, yeah. he's done the job that you brought him in to do. Not set the world night, not taking it further. He's just, that's why you got him on a three, four-month contract or whatever it was, is just to do that job. He's done it, move on, shake hands, let him go off in his badges, maybe in 10 years' time. He'll be good enough, experienced enough to come back properly. But they've... They ruined it. They ruined it. His legacy, I think. They, yeah. And that's not his fault. I think it's still the people above him. I, I don't think he, he could go away for 10. I don't think he'd ever get a top job again. No, I don't. don't. I think when he Norway is the best bet for him. Yeah, exactly. I think they've ruined his career by banking yeah. on him so early. Instead of just bringing him in as caretaker, he did an okay job as the, a caretaker. Check hands, let him go. Maybe there'll be a time comes in 10 years' time after that caretaker role where he can come back properly. But by getting him in straight away, when he weren't ready, not good enough, they've ruined it. But he's been backed. So this idea that they've ruined Ollie, they if they hadn't have backed him, then fair enough. But he's been backed financially, big time. Oh, yeah, but he wasn't good enough to be backed. Like, the, yeah, I, don't, the board, I wouldn't blame him. No, I, I mean, like, I would do worse than Ollie. Like, like, <laughs> like, if Liverpool came and offered me the job now tomorrow and the board gave me £500 million, the board is still to blame for giving someone like me the job. <laughs> Doesn't matter how much money they throw at me. Like, 
all he was never good enough in the first place for that on a permanent basis. Caretaker, hundred percent, it was the right man, right time for four or five months. That's it. To give him a job for any longer than that is honestly one of the worst decisions in that club's history. Don't, don't play yourself down. You've taken a lot <laughs> team to Champions League glory. Yeah, I witnessed you do magical things on FM, so yeah. I, I wouldn't be putting yourself down. I agree with that on this one. Rob, um, I'm going to read you United's next six fixtures. And granted, there's two Champions Leagues in there, but out of 18 points, I'd like you to tell me how many points you think they'll get. So they play Spurs away, then they go to Atlanta away, then they play City at home. They go Watford away, Villarreal away, and Chelsea away. That's you know, like there's next six fixtures. Two questions. Well, okay. How many points do they get, and how many points does Solskjaer need to get in order to stay in a job? Well, I feel like a win against. No offense to Butts, but I feel like a win against Spurs doesn't really do that much. I think he can avoid. He, he can get away with a loss at Spurs if he can get get a win at either Chelsea or Man City. But from there, I see maybe a point against Spurs, um, away to Atalanta. Like Atalanta turned up Old Trafford, and like you can't even say they shocked them. It you know when we've seen we've seen these performances by Man United, so I I could see them losing there. City, well, I think we'll just walk over them. At Old Trafford, Watford they should win. Uh, I think they will comfortably win, uh, and then Villarreal and then Chelsea. Uh, two consecutive losses there. Um, so out of the the six games, I think they'll have draw at Spurs uh, and a win at Watford. So four points out of a possible 18. If Solskjaer has history or tells us anything, he'll go 18 yeah. points from 18 yeah. and then the cycle start again and then he'll have an awful loss. Yeah, true. Two, three after. Like, again, from Liverpool point of view, I hope that's the case. But I honestly think, I, then again, I've said this about three, four times, I think this might be the last time I can come back from that, from this. But he's, he's come back from about five, six times. He's like the undertaker. Yeah. But like to have to have this happen man. with when you when we see the squad that he's got and the, the star power it's in it and how great these footballers are as individuals, like he didn't he didn't have this star-studded team like a year ago. I, I think his time is done. It'd be interesting to see. So obviously, Conte is the one you know linked heavily with it. But you know, like you said. You get rid of Solskjaer, there's, n- there's no one really about, to be honest. Because even if you say, oh, we'll get someone to get to the end of the season, then we can take a proper look. Like, who are you going to get to go to the end of the season? Uh, give it gigs well, to the end of the season. Internally, like, I know who Buck yeah. and Burke want to get it. But, do you know what I mean? It's like, there's genuinely a, a not... You are talking like Nicky Butt or something, end of the season. Like, one of those types of points, man. Yeah. Who, he might do well. He'll get a permanent job, and then we start the cycle over again. Oh, Michael no. Carrick. Yeah, they have to go out and get a Conte. I, I think that they need that. But, you know, Conte, do you know if you do that, 
surely whoever comes in, they're, you know, they're not coming in without being told basically, am I allowed to rip this up? Because, for example, most managers wouldn't want Paul Pogba. You know, Man United and Gary Neville especially, they've done everything in their power to try and give Paul Pogba a place in that squad and to try and make him the Paul Pogba that he should be. But truly, by now, it's time to like go, you know what, this guy, just he's just not, he's just not working for us. Same with Ronaldo. I can't see Conte coming in and going, I want to keep both Ronaldo and Pogba and I'll build my team around them. No, I, I, I wouldn't say whatever. What, what I'll say with Pogba is, I think it's, it's, it's definitely done though. I think, you know, you come on 50 minutes, you know, how he didn't get a red card straight away, I'll never know. Um, it was a horrendous challenge. Absolutely horrendous. Um, but I, I, I say disagree. I, I think you need a character like Conte, somebody who is a bit tapped in the head, a bit, bit mad, but in a good way in terms of, you know, he's won everything. You know, you can win, really. And um, say what you want. You've got these one or two players like your Pogba's Ronaldo's. That squad is not far off. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't have so, to rip at all. He just, yeah. Yeah. But, and, and Conte is very tactically inept. Who, I generally think he would go to he would go to a back three because that's his tried and trusted. But that team needs a back three, in my opinion. You're saying um, two or three players, I think, in my opinion, two or three yeah. signings. But then also, if you're getting rid of players like a Pogba, you're funding these two or three players. So the board are probably looking well, at this. Go ahead. If he, if he goes on a free though, then he may go on a free. But this is my my. I agree. I think Conte. I don't understand why you like to jump do we know. Because like if he if he can get him, you get him in it. But my yeah. point is, I don't think Conte would be keen on coming in and then being told like like so Scar's basically the win. Oh, oh like we we'll give you an Aldo, but you're gonna have to find him. You're gonna have to build. You're gonna have to change everything to fit him in. I think Conte just goes, Nah, you're right. I'll just do my own thing. Thanks. Personally, I I don't see Conte as the type of guy who's willing to almost lose his own. Lose his own kind of principle in order to fit in players. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't think he would either. I, I think this um, comes back to a bigger problem with Manu. And I've thought about this because Guy never kept um, banging on about saying, "I oh, you know we don't. I don't want us for managers to be sacked. You know, Manu, we give managers time, like you know, Ronox and Alex Ferguson, obviously. You know, George had a few years. Solskjaer's had a few years. That time is gone. That's yeah. Like, as much as I want to be, a, you know, a romantic about football, and I hate that it, it happens, but you, in your third year, you should be able to definitively say what your style of football is. I don't care what team you are. You can be top of the Premier League, or you could be a League Two. Everybody has a style. And the fact that you are in charge of arguably the biggest club in the world, with one of the biggest budgets, most fans, most infrastructure, and after three years... After all our money, you still haven't got style. Just speaks absolute volumes of where that club is at. And I go back to it, you need a character to come in, probably like Sir Alex did back in the day, and just tell people, look, you carry on doing what you're doing in terms of the commercials, and let me worry about the football. And he'll just start parking orders. Because obviously, the soft, soft approach was not working. So you got to go with someone else. And I think sack managers know it's um, it's it's fine to say sack manager because it's not like you're ending the guy. You are literally paying him millions mm. of pounds. He is going to be well looked after. It's yeah. like that's it's not really a negative thing to say. Man, you need to go in a different direction. Yeah, 
And oh, it's just yeah. as well. It, 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 like, yeah, it's it one is, of the few yeah. occasions where it actually is just to say it out loud. So. But is it, yeah. are we downplaying, I played the Gadda Gadda, you know, <laughs> 10 minutes ago, Burke, we were saying about how toxic, and how awfully toxic, and I know you said it's an easy fix, you should get your manager, but, you know, when it's deep-rooted, is a manager like Conte who, yeah, he may win you something, but it's this thing with like Mourinho Spurs, you know he's not coming there for, for five years. He's going to be there two, three years maybe max, and he's going again because he's done it every single place he's been. So I think that's management. Now. I had a conversation with someone earlier today, and as you said, if you get three years on a manager now, that's good going. Like, it is kind of a totally different world where Man U fans had it so, like, had it the luckiest of any club with Ferguson. That is absolutely unheard of, and in my opinion, will never be heard of again. So I think it's time teams start adapting to that thing of, right, a manager is here for three years, and then you maybe get a director of football or someone above that whose job it is to look after the long-term interests of the club to make sure a manager doesn't come in and go, right, all my players over 30. It's now more spread out. So you're going to have a long-term director of football whose job is make sure the club is always in a stable position. Yeah, you can have one or two over 30s sign-ins, no problem, but also we'd like you to maybe look after one or two of these players who are our best academy prospects. So I think there's a balance to it. And I think most managers would accept that. It's the Chelsea model. Yeah, Chelsea model. I'd say... It's worked. Yeah, I'd say... So all clubs now, I think, are going to be looking for that kind of... Maybe a manager, if you get five years, sound amazing. But your director of football there is there for 10, 15, 20. They're the ones out making sure that... In the next five years, this squad is going to be phased out and a capable one is being phased in. You yeah. spread the work around. Yeah. They just need to do it now. I, I don't care why they're waiting. Yeah. Like, just, just get over with, move on. Yeah, it is that simple. The sooner you get Conte in, the sooner yeah. you get better. Yeah. But exactly. is it fair to say the reason they're waiting is Spurs away, Atlanta away, City home, Watford away, Villarreal away, Chelsea away. Do you want to put the new manager in a job with no international break? Because let's be honest, most teams do it during international break as well because they like to have a manager in for at least a week, isn't it, where they got, you know, just games to it. Do you want to chuck in a manager where they have to go and play those games straight off the bat? Like, I can... For me, it was like he should have gone that night. And if he's not going that night, then no, you've just got to go and hope to God that he doesn't get four points from, from 18. Because, you know, I wouldn't personally want to chuck my manager in and say, say you go, say you to do it after Spurs. So, all right, you're going to go, you're going to play Wednesday away from home in Champions League in a must-win Champions League game. Yeah. You're then going to play City on the <clears throat> Sunday, sorry, the big derby. You go Watford, fair enough. But then you're going to go to another must-win game. And then you're going to go to Champions of Europe. Yeah, but the Champions League one is the reason why I think they have to change. Because they're at real risk of not making it through. And I think, again, someone like Conte in. Yeah, someone like Conte in, who maybe can... Maybe Conte, I don't know, draws Spurs, loses Man City. I think fans will accept that. Because it's like, right, he's been at two weeks. He hasn't implemented. Oh, it goes the other way. Like, it's a free hit, really. No one would expect Conte a week into his job to beat Man City. So it is an absolute free hit. If he gets a result, wow. Like, the good times are back. If he doesn't, it's that thing of, oh, well, we weren't expecting it anyway. 
But then on the other hand, he gives Man U a much better chance of get qualified in Europe. And Man U should be. Going back to my original question, but <clears throat> sorry. Um, they are absolutely primed. When I said, oh, what should Ollie do? We always say it. They are primed to go 5-3-2 for the next six games, aren't they? Like, 100%. honestly, I don't understand why you wouldn't do it now. When you've got those fixtures, still it different in the middle of the park. Hope that Ronaldo or one of your stars, Fernandez, get you a goal or two. Yeah. I Honestly, it is the most logical thing to do. And I don't think he'll do it. Because yeah. I don't think he knows how to coach. Or even the coaches under his command know how to do um, a back five, back three, whatever you want to call it. Um, I can see them maybe going, putting Matic in alongside Fred and McTominay and going all out, kind of like Spurs did at the start of the season. Shithouse midfield, just dogs in there trying, I don't know, do something and then hope you stick the three up front, whatever combination you want, and just hope and pray that they make a goal, make a goal or two. Um, yeah, I, I, just, I, I don't see him going to a back three, I really... I don't, we I, take the yeah. to me that it's like a panic station formation, but mm. that club needs to be in panic station. Like, yeah, that's the only exactly. station that club should be at. And, yeah, you have to switch it. You have to chuck an extra defender or you move Wan-Bissaka inside to, like, a third centre-back. And you just, like you say, solidify. You play Ronaldo. Ronaldo's going to play. You play Ronaldo up top alongside a Cavani, a workhorse striker, someone who will create the space, someone who... Will Harry, every defender, will do. Ronaldo's running for him. And then yeah. that then suddenly is freeing up space for your Fernandes, for your maybe a Pogba, um, to actually do something. And I think, yeah, they've got to switch it. We take the piss of the system. I hate the system, but there's a time and place for it, and that's now. Yeah. I agree with that. Rob, um, I just want to ask you a quick question, because I know but is something that's really on Butter's radar at the moment. Um, Gary Neville, is he damaging? Is he damaging his own? It's not leg. Is he his credibility almost with his stance? Like I said, Paul Pogba's stance earlier on, but just his whole United stance at the moment. Oh, is he damaging his credibility? Well, yeah. Like when we watch, like um, you know, for uh, for football Sunday, whatever it's like, we always take the piss at times when we see Graham Sinesh going on Pogba. It's like, so we'll always argue that Graham Sinesse has got this agenda about Pogba and Neville's got this agenda to protect uh, to protect um, Ollie as much as he can and to protect that team as much as he can. Like, he is always hesitant to say the facts and um, I'm, I'm pretty sure all of you watched the, the overlap last week and, like, you know, the only man you found that was probably happy on Sunday was Paul Scholes because he just called it. He just called everything that was going to happen. And yeah, I, I was definitely, definitely um, damaging his credibility. And there's always so much, you know, you can protect your mates. And at the end of the day, your, your job is there to be a top football pundit, which I think he is. But you, you've got to say, you've got to say the hard truths. You've got to, you know, I, I know it's your boyhood club, but they're not doing well. See it as it is. None of this, you know, beating around the bush and 
trying to defend and trying to make up excuses, it's it's plain as day for you know the the average football fan to see, let alone a, an expert pundit. Yeah, it does make you slightly yeah. question, like, because obviously as football fans, New Year players say like this club's more important than any individual and think like those cliches. Like for Gary Neville, is this him showing that actually no Solskjaer for me is more important than Man U? Because mm. him not because I because they're mates. I'm not surprised you're not hearing him say, "Oh, all he has to go." Yeah, I, like I get that much, but you can't then be like blaming absolutely everything in the club except Ollie. He is the manager, and as we've seen so many times with every other club that Neville's talked about, the buck stops at the manager. Why yeah. it is now a different rule for Man U? That's the bit I don't understand, and I think he needs to be a bit more vocal about kind of moving the blame to the manager's door because that's where it is but I'm not I think there's a balance to it I think I said in the group chat there's a balance to it because they're mates I get that it's a really tough situation like you would never kind of like put your job ahead of your mates like you'd always kind of try and find that balance but he's gone way too far the other way yeah I watching the post-match analysis I found myself getting so frustrated um when the, they were talking about whether Ollie should go and he was coming back to like with Salford and saying that he had to sack a manager last season, it was the wrong decision. I'm like, no offence, Gary, this is the Premier League. Like, yeah, maybe I, I, it is just case now for the foreseeable while Ollie's there. Sorry, Gary. Yeah. You, you can't do, you can't, obviously you're blinded when it comes to this. We're yeah. going to get Roy Keane in. For the next Man U games, <laughs> Roy Keane's here, not you. Because Roy Keane would be more objective and like, or... I'd say most Man U based pundits, but he's the first one that came to my head. But I think, um, yeah, you either take him out of the limelight by saying sorry, because it is damaging his credibility, which in turn damages Sky's credibility. I can't see what, like, something's got to change, either Gary Neville itself or you just take him out of the firing line. Another side to it is, is him um, reluctant to slate his team. It is just clicks for for their social media. Because, uh, you know, you've just got him, him and Cara, him and Sunes, and then, was it Jermaine Defoe, just sipping <laughs> water all evening? Yeah. Yeah. But you can still have your, like, chat shows, you can still have your interviews, yeah. like, between the two, but if you're there covering a Man U game, you want unbiased coverage of that game. You know what Gary Neville's going to have, so you can still have your, maybe, a Monday talk, like, with Cara and Neville special. People will tune in, that's fine. But if Man U were playing... I think you can't have him there at the moment. I found yeah. Sunday just it was just difficult to watch at the end because it was just a bit like you it, you felt so you felt sorry for him because you could just see him tying himself in knots and like yeah. you could see Carragher trying to help him because like Carragher could see it and he was giving him these outs all the time. He was coming in and like trying to give him an out to say I never just kept on batting and back and you're just like mate, you he's trying to help you on live TV. Yeah. yeah? What's yeah. so good about them two normally is any debate they have, us four could be watching that debate and most of the debates, two of us will be on one side, two of us will be the other. They are so like good at debating like the biggest issues that you tend to kind of back one, but it's always a kind of 50-50. It doesn't waver too much there. Like on Sunday, 
99% of fans at home are watching going, Gary Neville, you're talking utter shit. And, like, it doesn't take much then for him to maybe call one more thing wrong in two weeks. And then people are going, oh, he's had that wrong now as well. Like, is he all that? And it won't take long to change opinions. And it does kind of make you question. Yeah, yeah it, it doesn't sit fully right. Uh, there's a balance to it, and he's got it all wrong at the moment. Well, I read the other day some quotes he said about Arsenal. I mean, he's been very critical of Arsenal viewers, as everybody has, which is, yeah. you know, but some of the stuff he's said about Arsenal and their managers, and also, like, I think, like, David Luiz, about them being uncoachable, you know, they are even very strong against them. And you think, you can't be that, and then watch this Man United team, and everything that's going on, and not then come down and say, yeah, actually, that comes straight from, you know, because he, he doesn't really even call out the players, to be honest. No. He, he never called out Harry Maguire, his former sister, Luke Shaw. You know, Cristiano Ronaldo, he doesn't call him out. So it's, you know, it's not even like he's saying, OK, it's not the manager, it's the players. It's just, it's just almost like, oh, it's nobody. Yeah, and that's the thing. He, he, I think he said at one point, oh, it's the changes over the summer. And like, Basically, he's trying to say Ronaldo, like in my opinion. And I think that's what Carragher was trying to kind of get him to say. But just by saying that, it's way too vague for the job that you're doing. Like anyone can make, like we could be in that seat making a vague comment and oh, something's happened over the summer. No, you have to be specific. That's what he's good at. That's why he's in that job. That's why people love to watch him is because he will drill down into the details that a lot of pundits don't. And like you said, he's refusing to do that at the moment. And yeah, it is damaging to Sky and to himself as well. You know, last season, this is the same bloke who last season said, oh, Man U should go and sign Varane, Sancho and Kane. But they got two out of the three. And then the one they didn't get, they ended up getting Ronaldo, the second best player ever. Like, he, they've given him exactly what he would did in theory. Oh, 100%. And the fact it's still not working, like you said, or like what we all think, it, it points to the problem not being the personnel on the pitch. It's, it's the guy sitting on the side of it. But in the Rob's gone with four points. Spurs away, Atlanta away, City home, Watford away, Villarreal away, Chelsea away. How many do they get out of 18? I wrote it down. I, I put six points. Logic, I had six points as well for logic, but also yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they sneak 15 and he stays in the job. So, but say, uh, say he last six six games. If he doesn't get two wins out of three against, who was it, Tottenham, City and Chelsea, I think he'd be gone. Because what what is the point then keeping him in terms of, well, you're there now to win a league. You're not there to rebuild anymore. Because yeah. like you said, you've brought in those players. And if you lose against those three teams, then you ask. I personally think they're, they're not going to be in a title race. Um, but hypothetically, let's say they're still got half a chance if they don't get at least 12 points. Uh, nine points, sorry, four league games. So, he should be gone. I think they could go and win every Prem fixture. But if they, they crash out the Champions League, I think, I yeah. think that's just enough pressure then. Because... I know taking points off Chelsea and City, you know, is huge for the title picture. But I don't don't see that they're good enough, or you know, the rest of the campaign. Champions League is massive for them. To go to the group stages is unforgivable for Man United. 
in consecutive exactly. yeah. yeah. With the squad, yeah, it's it, yeah. There's no you can't justify that. And in a group which was seen as a, you know a very kind of straightforward group, really. You yeah. know, Atlanta was a young boys in Villarreal. Is it young boys they got? Yeah, they yeah. should be on zero points. It, it's normally they the group City gets, isn't it? It's, so, it's the one they walk through. Yeah, definitely yeah. one to keep an eye on the next. And week. he's been there what three years. You had Mourinho there for that was about two, three, wasn't it? And Mourinho spent quite a bit of money. A lot of the players Mourinho bought there, so it's not like he's only had three years. He's also had the time Van Gaal and Mourinho were there, two top class managers signings that they made. So you're talking this squad is one that's been assembled over the last nine years between three, well, two top class managers and Solskjaer. So it's not just a three-year project he's had. He's, and it's not the full rebuild they needed because if it was none of the players, you wouldn't have De Gea there, you wouldn't have Pogba there, uh, you wouldn't have Shaw there. So it's not a full rebuild he's had to do. He's had to do a partial rebuild around Rashford is another one they he stuck with. It's people are kind of overdoing how much he's actually done there on top of how bad he's done there. I think I speak for all of us when I say we hope they give him a 10-year contract. Yeah, he's <laughs> at the wheel. Right. Agreed. So we'll move on to probably, well, what will be seen as one of the biggest moments you know, in Premier League history, to be honest, you'd have thought, the way it's going to, the way it seems to be going and, and obviously the the off-field um, issues with it. Um, now, before I go and just talk for two minutes uh, for a minute, I just the question I'm going to ask you in a minute will be: over the next eighteen months, realistically, what should Newcastle be looking to do? And that can mean where should they be looking to finish? Maybe next year. Now I said eighteen months because obviously they got this season and then next season. Um, if there's any names of managers, players that jump out, have a think. It, while you're having a think, guys, I was looking today at Swiss Rumble, which is, um, they do excellent work on breaking down like financial side of football. Um, and they wrote a thread on Twitter explaining how much Newcastle would be allowed to spend before they broke FFP rules. So to help you with that question I asked you, you're looking at around £200 million that they could probably spend in the next 18 months without breaching the rules. However, you could you could get away with spending a bit more if payments are spread because it's like about it's all about like um the profit. So for example, Tiago went for 30 million, but it's actually only going to cost Liverpool 5 million a year because it's like over six years. So you know like it's stupid. You know I mean like but but obviously I don't expect you to go into that much debt. But what I'm saying is you've got to be a leeway to go to like 220, 230. Um and the other thing that made me laugh was, ironically, apparently, due to Mike Ashley basically downing tools on Newcastle and never spending any money, it actually means that Newcastle now can spend far more than they normally would have. So in the long, like, long term, it's actually worked out very well for Newcastle that Mike Ashley basically hated the club and hated football. Because it now allows the mega rich owners to come in and spend more money than anybody else without touching the FFP. Um, so, has anyone got any idea what, what does the next 18 months look like for Newcastle, realistically? 
I'm this year is almost in the ground for me. Yeah. Yeah. First thing I wrote down, stay up. And then next season, I there's no guarantee they're going to stay up, by the way. Yeah. Because I think um, they've got about 50 million to spend on in, in January. Um, still haven't got a manager in. Don't know who they're going to bring in. It's really, yeah, it's up in there at the moment. So we've got 50 million. Are they going to spend 40 on one player? Probably not. Be really scared they may get three players out of that, maybe two. Um, so yeah, say they stay up this season. And I vote down next season, stay up mid-table. Because I don't see them making a drastic change. Because it's not the players, because this is the problem. It's all well and good having this money and going, oh yeah, let, you know, let's buy so-and-so. But the amount of players they got in their books, who's going to buy them? I, I don't see a wholesale at Newcastle in terms of players going out and what clubs are going to say, oh, I'll take John Joe Shelby or I'll take, I don't know, Isaac Hayden, you know, these boys. So, uh, yeah, I think I think realistically mid-table is what they should be aiming for in 18 months and then go from there. Because you're looking at 11 million a month over 18 months if you've got 200 mil. So... Yeah, they're going to need a lot more than that to build a team that's going to be even top yeah, 10. Yeah, you see, I, 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 I had top 10 down, obviously, if they stay in the Prem, top 10 the following year, only because no other team in their kind of position league are spending anywhere near 200 mil. So they should be leapfrogging. The, if they're good enough to stay up, if they're good enough to finish 17th, you add 200 million to that, that should account for, I don't know, 10 places. Yeah, but you, but you say that, but you know they've got to develop. You know they've got to get a manager, and they've got to develop a style. They've got to get rid of all these players. They've got to bring in the right players. It doesn't because, take long though. You look at teams like Wolves. Uh, it hasn't I taken Wolves long at all, and they're top seven. I think you sign the right. You obviously they have to get the right manager, in, who is mm. going to kind of set expectations. But if you get the right manager in and back him with players he wants. Any manager worth their salt, yeah, well. any Premier League manager worth their salt has an idea. Like, even now, if there's a manager sitting at home, like, he will have an idea, right, if I go into a club in the next three months, I'd like my team to have, because they're going to be watching football, they're going to do their research. They're going to have a list of four or five names or mm. that they kind of like who are playing football. And I think that's what they've got to do is, um, you asked about players as well, Sims, like, the kind of player I'm thinking, like, you see linked a lot is like a Coutinho maybe someone who's a a big club taking a step down but not like a Van der Beek maybe an Oxley Chamberlain these type of players who have got a good pair degree but are not in the best place at the moment but I think that would be going the wrong way I think you you get a manager in they're not going to get a top top manager um you get a manager in you back him with players he wants you say look money's not an object We'll back you, play with players you want. That team is going to climb. As long as there's a plan, and I think that's your point as well, but is as long as this, everything matches, oh, yeah. as long as everything fits in place with the style of play, the players you play in, as long as everything fits and everything makes sense, what you don't want to do is get a big Sam-type manager, a Roy Hodgson back, just obviously because you're... But you don't want to do that and then go and sign your Aaron Ramsey's, Coutinho's, Van der Beek's. You don't want to do that. Yeah. If you get a manager, you're also the 200 million is going to his style. 
That's it. As long as they do that, they will climb. Because it's not people compared to the Man City takeover. Man City were a stable club at the time. Like maybe not financially because they had the like the Thai business thing, but they were a mid-table Premier League club. Newcastle yeah. are a lot more unstable in that sense, so they need to be patient. They need to do the right things because if they don't, they spend a year or two in Championship before they get a chance to spend this two hundred million on actual talent. Yeah, I think. Sorry, Sim. I think the manager is the biggest piece of this puzzle. Um, yeah, because I don't see. Whatever manager comes in, unless it's, you know, like off the scale good. I don't see this manager being in charge in five years time when no. realistically Newcastle could be challenging top four, maybe a league. Who knows? Because, um, yeah, if you get this appointment wrong, that's setting you back maybe two years. And then every subsequent manager you hire, that's the wrong choice. is going to put you back even further. So, yeah, this next manager is basically setting up. Kind of like a Marquez to Mancini and Pellegrini then to Pep Guardiola. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's that's exactly a good example. What I was thinking of, because I know, I, I fully agree with your point, Burke, about they weren't the same because Newcastle are currently struggling to stay in the division, and Man City yeah. weren't. But it feels like that's the only way to compare it because it's oh, the, yeah. the only team, as in, I fully agree with you, Burke. But then, like you said, I think this Mark Hughes is the perfect example, isn't it, of a manager coming in, bit of pedigree, done something, maybe got one or two signings. But then you think of where Newcastle go. Now, I, I'm not sure where. I don't know who that manager is, and I don't. Like I think now, even in the short term, this whole thing relies on them staying in. So in the short term, they might actually be worth going to Big Sam. For this yeah. six months, to get me, like, yeah. I think the owners need to do all they can, like, to stay in that league. And for me, you're better. You've got a better chance of doing that with getting Big Sam in and spending thirty mil, than getting a Lampard, Gerrard in and spending hundred mil because they've never been in this situation. They don't know what it takes to stay in that league. Literally for the next six months, do everything you can, with the only objective: stay in the league, finish seventeenth. That is your objective, not. Bring in the ex Dortmund coach, uh, Lucien Favre, and go in. That's him, isn't The Dortmund coach you're linked with. Yeah. Um, and go in, look, um, get his Champions League in four years. No, that's not the priority right now. Priority now, keep us in the league. We're going to pay you a lot of money for six months' work. Stay, keep us in this league. And then you do that. You're legend for me. And then part ways amicably. You knew the score coming in and then go in your right now we're going to get a, a bit more exciting manager we're going to give him 100 mil 150 mil spend make us make us a team and that's where they start growing yeah. into a the team that we said that we think they're going to be in about five years yeah sorry Sims, if i just jump in quick the the thing you got to consider as well is and this is why i say maybe stay up in the next couple of years because two things when man City got taken over the market was pretty reasonable. Well, Rubinho was bought for, I want to say, 30 million, maybe 40, somewhere in that region, which now, 10 years on, is seen as peanuts, really, in the big leagues. So that you think about it, they're going to have to spend more to bring in the likes of a Coutinho or, you know, these sorts of players. Plus, then you've got the, everybody knows 
they've got this money. Everyone knows how rich these Saudis are. So then you probably add in another 10%, maybe 15% on top of the wages, signing bonuses, all this. So I think that's one factor. I don't know who you're going to be able to buy for decent money. And then two, Man City had players who ended up being part of the first title winning team. I'm thinking of Mike Richards, company, Joe Hart, some other players. I don't think there's one Newcastle player. Maybe, say, Max Mam at a push. That could win a league. The long staffs. <laughs> both of them. Yeah, both of them. Can't <laughs> beat that team. I, I think you keep those kind of guys around. Because obviously they're, they're local lads. And, no, it's Steve Woods. Keep the... Yeah, yeah. Still honestly, honestly, I would just give him a job with two words, lad. Go, go into the, go into the two now, boys. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, yeah, I think it's it, for them to get. If they got top ten in eighteen months, it'd be a brilliant job by everyone involved. But yeah, I don't see it. Yeah, really I think don't. the sign-ins we're talking about now in January are your Premier League experienced players. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm thinking, like, um, obviously, he's just gone. Like, a Ryan Bertrand type. Like, these players who are just... Michael York's, Dawson. <laughs> Craig Dawson, yeah. Uh, Michael Dawson. I was like, he's not coming back. Oh, Craig, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get Michael Dawson as well. Um, yeah, like, you, yeah, exactly. Those type of players, just solid yeah. players who would you wouldn't be surprised then if next year these players are sitting in a top-head mid-table club. Like, you're solid prem pros, people who are not going to... Let go to the head to the fact that they've just been a 20 mil pound player, like whatever the situation. Just your solid pros who are going to keep you in this league, but also good enough to be in your team in three, four years' time. I think um, I think you touched on a really some point there, but in terms of like I, I was looking at Rob at the time, and, and it's very much like up Rob's because it's almost like the pub-esque of our problem where Newcastle are going to have so much money but they're not legally going to be allowed to use it. Because, like, this idea, like, £40 million is a lot of money, to them it's not going to be. But their problem is they won't be able to just shell out dollar time because then all of a sudden they're going to be breaking the rules. So it's, it's that thing with, like, Escobar where he's like, burying money because he can't do anything with it because there's so much of it. I honestly think that could be one of, the, one of the challenges, I think, of being that rich is that you can only spend a certain amount of money now, that does bring us into the next part of the Newcastle takeover, the off-field part. Have the Premier League opened a door that can never now be closed in terms of with regards to ownership and you know the ethical, probably the ethical issues behind these owners? Because you know we've all read the stories and we've all seen the things about, about these owners. Now, I think we're all aware that, you know, they're not the only set of owners maybe with questionable methods and questionable ethics. However, you know, when there was so much, so much evidence against this set of owners, have the Premier League put themselves into a corner to which they'll never get out. Yeah. It was a yes for me. I think, yeah. um, obviously, the takeover took a long time to know. Um, with I think the Premier League, but I was one that obviously I would have said no in terms, but I don't think you can say no after who you've already said yes to. 
and it's not fair to punish Newcastle when you haven't when you allow other teams to get away with it. So they put themselves into that corner and now any anyone in the world can own a football club if you've got the money. So yeah, it's um yeah, they haven't they're never gonna get out of it because the next takeover will come along in five, ten years' time and they'll just point out, oh, well, Newcastle win the league. Can't we do that with Southampton or whoever it'll be? So yeah, it's um it's gonna be never ending now. Yeah. But I'll go I'll go back to Sims. I think we've had this conversation before where, like you just said, most owners and I am generalizing, but you know, you don't get being that rich by not having some grey area way of getting that fortune. So especially this, because I think the biggest difference here is you're going from Man City, I don't know the exact figures, but I think it's like 25 billion, let's say, for Man City. And, and now you're going into like 300 billion, which is just a different different bloody solar system. It's just insane. Like Newcastle could completely take over football if it's left unregulated. Um, but yeah, the, the Premier League, this, this board had sailed 20 years ago, 25 years ago, you know. When all the money came in, so it's a bit, bit too late now to be having a go at um, you know Saudi Arabians for for buying buying a football team. So yeah, I don't know what you do about it. I think you just yeah. gotta you just gotta live with it and hope hope for the best. Really, that um, you know these Saudi Arabians know that there's a spotlight on them. You know, spend some of their fortune and in their own country to improve standards of living and equal rights and everything like that. So, yeah, it's a tough one for the Premier League, is it? If, you know, well, well, I guess it's not really because they could have said no. Um, but then they do look like hypocrites. So. Yeah, and obviously if you say no, I think that brings on a whole different line of legal problems that yeah, they have in terms of you can't say no to us when you've said yes to them. And yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure they'd say you've got no proof to prove this or, you know. Yeah, they've got billions to spend well, on lawyers. The spotlight would be straight on to the Abu Dhabi group in, exactly. in in Manchester City. You know, there's already been a spotlight on Abramovich for years. Yeah, you know, and everybody knows yeah. how he's made his money. You know, it's I. It doesn't sit well with me when I see all like the Newcastle fans wearing, you know, like the the Saudi gear and stuff. In the I think oh, like that's a mess. Do you mean like? Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. I think it's a real mess because I think it, it just shows like the naivety of, of people. You think like these people are genuinely like awful people. Yeah. And yet it's a sport washing, isn't it? And yet, no, like they'll build some park in Newcastle. They'll build yeah, a you look at what Man- the Abu Dhabi group has done for that area yeah. of Manchester. It's insane, like the work they put in. And obviously it's amazing for the area in isolation. Yeah, but then you but step I bet back. You Abu Dhabi hasn't had that sort of. Well, it doesn't need it really, but you know, in terms of the higher ups, but the lower people lower down. Yeah, it? I, I don't. Well, think, I don't. They've done that in their own country, and I. I don't. A new Saudi community yeah. centre in Newcastle does nothing for women's rights in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, exactly. Do you mean like yeah. does nothing for a woman who wants to be a teacher or wants to be a top a doctor? It's just like, do you mean or like yeah. a gay man to be able to go and lose minutes? And you think yeah. like, but yet we're gonna have some fat Geordie on this in the stand, wearing like a towel on his head, 
which again is actually culturally inappropriate anyway, because like you're not yeah. even doing it. Like you're just making up. It's like it's like a school play. It's like a Christmas school play when you add like you do you do the like, the yes, you know, everything. And always had these parents with a like dressing gown. The, the people come in. It's like ah, it's like mental stuff. I find it unbelievable. Can, can I just say as well, when Newcastle played Spurs, I I couldn't believe my eyes when Sky zoomed in on a couple of fans who were wearing this gear. I'm going, is nobody in the room going? This is like culturally inappropriate. We can't. We shouldn't be showing this to an audience of X amount of people. Yeah. I I, I don't know if it's just I found it. I found it. I couldn't believe what I was watching. I was like. Are Sky actually serious? Are they, has, has no person gone, we shouldn't be doing this. And then I don't know if you've read as well in the Athletic about Newcastle came out with a statement going, basically saying, oh, we understand why you're dressing up, but can you not? Because it's inappropriate. And then a few days later they go, oh, we appreciate your support and we understand that you're doing it. I have kindness of your heart. So basically carry on. And that in a nutshell just is why I'm pessimistic about Newcastle and the next few years because already they've had a PR nightmare. The whole thing with Steve Bruce over the week, that was a nightmare. I mean, it hasn't been a great start for them. So yeah. I'm looking at the list on Skybet of potential managers, like the ones who are in the running. And one name sticks out, Eddie Howe. I think he's the he's the way you go for me. Yeah. He obviously yeah. knows the league and he's he coming in to stay up. No, but he knows the players he needs to stay up. I think yeah. he comes he's got in the in January. Doing it. Yeah, he's got the experience. He knows kind of what it'll take in that league with the, against the teams he's up against. He knows the players. He's got the player base knowledge of that kind of lower prem level. You again, I'm looking at the favourite that Paulo Fonseca, the Spurs almost had. He's favourite. Yeah. Then you've got Lucien Favre. These two will come in. Obviously, great pedigree, no doubt. But their player, base player knowledge are players from different countries, from different leagues, on different levels. And stay with you, if, oh, if you're a good player, you should be able to perform. It does take something different that these teams when you're up against it, when, you've only, when you're only going to have 30% of the ball. It mm. is a different ball game. And I think that's why, because I'm scrolling past, to get down to Eddie Howe, I've got to go past Fonseca, Favre, Martinez, Lampard and Gerrard. And Bar Martinez, who hasn't done it for a long, long time, they haven't managed at that that level in the Premier League. So mm. Eddie Howe, Benitez, Ten Hag, Emery, and Graham Jones—that is the list. But Eddie Howe is the one there for me. He's already there's already three Bournemouth players there anyway, so <laughs> yeah. he's already got a relationship. I, and I plus, can see. I, yeah, I, I can see the trio of Eddie Howe, Gavin Harris, and Santiago Munez. <laughs> Do a bit. Do an absolute bit. Northern Rock on the shirt. <laughs> I think I, I Eddie think Alcone, no, gives them a better chance between now and January as well, though. I think yeah. the others are going to struggle and then they're waiting for January. But I think Eddie Howe would actually give you an instant impact, too. Just on that, I think Newcastle have actually signed something called Santiago Nunes. Yeah, he did. Sorry. Yeah, uh, Santiago yeah. Munoz. It's like one letter Munoz. difference. Oh, yeah. Good grief! Yeah. It's unbelievable. I think yeah. In the in the summer winner. Yeah. From from Mexico or, I or from yeah. America. Team so, Latin one. America, yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And he's a striker. Newcastle, they are currently embroiled in a big relegation scrap. Now, 
Are we all happy to say that Norwich are going down? Yeah. <laughs> I think Norwich are happy to say Norwich are yeah. going down. <laughs> By the way, yeah. it's, I think it's time to come down hard in that club because I remember two years ago, and I think it's because of my disdain for, I hate Jake Humphrey, I actually can't stand him. And he was always on BT and he was giving it large with how the club were doing it right. They weren't going to spend much because they were preparing. Like, they were prepared to go down to then come back up and be stronger again. The Burnley model. They stuck with Daniel Farr, fair enough. But I remember that, like, stupid Webber guy who was on TV every other week. People saying, like, this is how you run a football club. But, mate, you've gone down and then you come back up and you're currently on for historically bad points total. Yeah. So... Yeah. I would like to stick, like have a hell of a go then one day, but it, today's not the day because I want to talk about the five teams who I think are probably most in danger of going down. Feel free to chuck in another one, but two out of these five are most likely to go down Watford, Leeds, Southampton, Newcastle, Burnley. Is there anyone there you'd like to chuck in? I'll say them again Watford, Leeds, Southampton, Newcastle, Burnley. Can I just say my favourite thing to say in football about Leeds? Because I think it's apparent. <laughs> and it is second season syndrome. Um, it doesn't start with Leeds, but I, I worry for Leeds. I, if, I, I thought they would have done much better than what they're doing. I know it's only nine games, but they, um, yeah, it just, I, I don't want to be lazy and say, oh, it's because they're knackered because they get run into yeah. the ground. I don't think it's because of that. I just think it's Similar to what Brentford are doing now, they're having that bounce being. Sometimes that's the worst thing for a team is where they're so comfortable in that first year in the Prem that yeah. they kind of yeah. think, oh, yeah. we're, we're going to be when fine. When it going wrong, then. Um, we, you spoke about it the other day, um, the overlap with Roy Keane, um, mm. and he was talking about his time at Sunderland, and he that's exactly what he said. He, he said he went in first season, I think they finished something like 12th. And in his head, he's yeah. like, right, that's where we are. And now if I make us better, Look, we're definitely finishing 12. No doubt about that. We spend 50 mil. Chance that we're going to be top 10. Instead of actually going, no, we're still that bottom bracket team. We need to build on this and 17th is a good season. And I think that's what these teams kind of struggle with. And I get it. I get why they're getting carried away. Leeds had a very good season. Um, They were comfortable and then they tailed off once they were safe. Um. But and then they've gone right. We're safe. We're prim, we're established prem club. They haven't really strengthened where they need to strengthen, and now they're getting dragged into it, which is kind of the position they they'd expect to be in last year. So I think that's the problem with these teams is they have a good season and they think obviously they've made it. And I think top teams are capable of that as well, where they have a they kind of outperform themselves and get carried away. But obviously, the negative is they may finish fifth instead of fourth. Whereas these teams, it means you spend the year in the championship if they mess up. And I think that's what could be the problem is. You could be there for a while if you're Leeds. Yeah. So, yeah, I think the problem for Leeds is as well, everything's built around Bielsa. And you just look at him and he looks, if, like, say they just sneaked, stayed up, say they finished 17th, I can see him go in and just being like, oh, I can't be asked for this. I'm I think that's good on. for Leeds. Uh, and I think you get a new manager in mid uh, staff. I, because they need a season where they finish 17th. If they finished 17th last year, the club would be better for it. Because they got, right, we got lucky. We just scraped it. Here's some money. Here's what we need to improve. 
and they build on it naturally the right way. Instead, no, they're kind of thinking, oh, well, we had a better season last year, so what do we actually need to do? I think there's that confusion around it. I think they'd be better for it. Any team is better for finishing 17th than a nothing season in 13th. Because it makes you actually sit up and go, right, we actually need to work on this, so we're not going down next year. Leeds, do they stay up? Yes or no? Um, yeah. Yes. Just. No. Okay, so <laughs> you've got first got Leeds going down, you've got Leeds staying up. So that Does Bielsa stay? Leeds. He's on the merry-go-round now. He'd be gone by Christmas. <laughs> so He'll go to Manu and all he'll go. Robin, Robin Butts, you've now got one left. Burke, you've got two going down. Norwich and Leeds. Yeah. Newcastle, Burnley. Which one of them going down? Uh, Watford's my, um, my third team going down. I just think there's too much changeover. Obviously, Ranieri's yeah, had the brilliant result against Everton, but I fear that like it won't take a lot for the kind of the negativity to creep in, and I don't think he's good at turning it round. I think he comes in on high, keeps them on the high, but once it starts going down, it goes down fast. And I think we've seen that at every Prem club he's been at. Um, he's not good at kind of bringing it back. So um, yeah, I'd go Watford as my last. They may have a decent run until maybe for the next month or so where they don't look in there. But it won't take long to get dragged back in. That's fair. So you've got Norwich, Leeds, Watford to go down, Burke. Yeah, Leeds being the 18th place. Yeah. And I think Watford and Norwich would be the fair. dead shirts. Um, just look at that. I think Southampton will be okay. Um, yeah, just... So I've got a feeling that I know I said they'll go down this season, but I've seen enough for them to think they'll be all right. Palace, well, we haven't mentioned Palace because I think everyone knows. I think they're, they're better than what position. the table says. Yeah. Yeah. I think Palace yeah, are very good teams, yeah. Yeah. Is there any team you'd like to add yeah. to the five I've named? No, I'm looking, no, no. I think, I think the one. I did. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know about Watford. This is. I don't know. I, I do worry for Burnley. Let's bring Burnley up. But I think it comes... I've seen enough times with teams who have been in the league for five, six seasons, whatever it is, and they don't try and change the style or it's too much of the same. And it just feels like Burnley are just drifting a little bit as a club. Time, isn't it? It's time. I've got them going down. I don't know. Yeah. I think this... We could go the last three years at this point of the season and... This is where Burnley are, year after year after year. Then they have a good couple of months where they actually pick up wins. You'd expect them to, but on top of that, they pick up wins you don't expect them to. Like, they get something stupid like 12 out of 18, some, some something stupid like that. So I think this isn't new for Burnley. This isn't new for Dyche. Most teams panic here. Dyche doesn't. And if he needs one or two players, obviously the stories are Burnley have a bit of money. So you sign players that Dyche knows. The fit, the style, and I think they'd be okay. I'm condemning them because I'm fed up with them. <laughs> I genuinely am so done with Burnley. They've got a crap stadium, they've got a crap kit, they've got ugly players, the manager can't speak properly. So Fair enough, that's definitive. Sean Dyche to Newcastle. Yes. Yes. Um, 
I'll go along with Watford. They're just too dysfunctional. Although part of me hopes they stay up because they are classic second season syndrome candidate. Exactly where you went for a second season. Um, and yeah, Joe, you know are going to go controversial and go Newcastle? Oh, I love it. I'm going them. I love it. Just for the story. Just for the story. Because then when they, if they, if and when they win the league, they'll be all sweeter. Being in the championship with 200 mil spent. Ah, oh, <laughs> dreams. I think, do you know what? I think if they are in a championship, they can spend more. Because Probably. the rules are lighter in the championship than they are in the Prem. Oh, they're there. Oh, they're there for signing some disgusting. Do you remember we've had the drafts where we say players who aren't good enough for the Premier League but good enough for the Championship? Their squad is just going to be kitted out with I'll your money. Yeah. <laughs> In yes. class. Yeah. That would be good to see. Dwight Gale is going to stay. Yeah, Dwight Gale again. Yeah. Tim Cruel's coming back. Yeah, Tim. Tim Cruel's back in the team. Oh, it would be good to see. Andy Carroll Rob, back. are you doing a full Norwich Watford clean sweep? No. I like Watford and I like Ranieri. Oh. So I, I, I'm gonna and see... yet you hate Leicester. Oh, oh don't get me started. <laughs> it's downhill since Ranieri left. No, uh, I, I do like Watford and I, I, I think there's enough talent there in the team to kind of get a few, you know, better results than the other competitors for relegation. So I'll see Watford staying up. I will also see Newcastle go down because I just want it. You know, entertainment for us all. And yeah, I also see Burnley going down. So currently the bo- the bottom three as it stands are going down with me. Fair. Do you think... think it's any of those teams, you can't... It's hard to argue against it. Yeah. Oh yeah. They can all go. Yeah. With regards Norwich, do we think they'll have an historically bad season? What is the record? Eight points. I find it hard to say they're going to do worse than that. Just because, how do you do worse than that? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, how do you do worse than eight? They're a quarter of the way there. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. I can't. So I'm going to say I think they. They they get double figures. And They've already shown. Like, how do they draw against Brighton? And I don't know who else they drew against, but oh, Burnley, I think, wasn't it? So yeah, yeah, they should get the double figures at least. But yeah, it, it'll be bad. Because yeah, not that that's an achievement in any way. It'd be mid teens. Terrible, and if I never see them again, I I don't mind. Yeah, I'm fed up in Norwich now. It's like Emma West Brom. Then you look at the championship this year, the three teams coming up are going to be all teams that were yeah. here like two years ago. Like, it's become a close shop almost, isn't it? Yeah, yeah there's a definitely. Reason. There's a reason for that. It's a tough go win. But what we'll do in next week's part is we'll revisit some of our um, pre-season predictions to see how they're faring. Yeah. And I say yeah. that because I know for a fact two of mine have done very well. So... The, the first one that came to my mind I got wrong the manager first manager gets sacked yeah. I can't even remember mine I'm heartbroken we'll, uh, we'll get someone on the job to listen back maybe I will listen in Taiwan and send us an, send us yeah. an email Wong Mill for the Wong Mill 
send me a DM, my friend, <laughs> and I'll get back to you. But thank you very much for listening. We hope you enjoyed. The boys are back. Enjoy the Carabao Cup week. Oh. RIP Balloon up. <laughs> Ciao. Cheers, lads.